The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. On this episode of Newt's World, born in 1708, Mary Ball Washington was a resilient widow who single-handedly raised five children and ran a large farm at a time when most women's duties were relegated to household matters. She raised her eldest son, George, to become one of the greatest leaders in history and the first president of the United States. George was only 11 years old when his father passed away. She played a major role in shaping his character and, quote, principled and moral upbringing. In his new book, author Craig Shirley explores George Washington's family and upbringing and how his mother shaped his life. I'm pleased to welcome my guest, Craig Shirley, author of Mary Ball Washington, The Untold Story of George Washington's Mother. Given everything you could write, why do you pick Mary Ball Washington? Because she has been abused by history because it needed redressing. If you accept the fact that George Washington was arguably the greatest man in American history and possibly the greatest man in the world, how could he be the product of bad parents? Especially since his father, Augustine, died when George was only 11 years old. So where did Washington get all those values of honesty and integrity and courage and faith and devotion, all those marvelous adjectives that we attach to George Washington even today, who sets the standard by which every president since him has been measured by? Everything from the title of Mr. President to the two-term 
limit the restraint of military force, the restraint of interlocking alliances with foreign national governments, things like that. All this came from George Washington, in addition to being unanimously chosen to lead the American Revolution, unanimously chosen to preside over the Constitutional Convention, unanimously chosen as the first president of the United States, and then unanimously reelected as president of the United States. So where did he get all these marvelous qualities? Well, he got them from his mother. There were a lot of arguments, but ultimately she was a good woman in a century that was not very hospitable to women. In the 1700s, not only we know women couldn't vote, but they couldn't even own property. Their job was to act as custodian of the property when their husbands passed away and then passed along to their eldest son. That was it. So here she is, the quintessential single mother raising five children in her 30s on her own. They're all good children, but how did she produce her eldest to become the greatest man in the history of the American Republic? She needed to be readdressed. History over the last 300 years, between the time of her passing up until the Civil War, she came across as kind of a June Cleaver type, which was wrong. After the reality period set in in American literature, and you got Melville and Stephen Crane and other darker novels in the history of American society and culture, a darker Joan Crawford image of Mary emerged, which was equally wrong. Ron Chernow's masterful book, George Washington, took a very dark view of Mary, said that she was an unlettered countrywoman. Well, she was actually quite literary. She wrote often. She was in Fredericksburg, which was considered a major center of commerce and culture and society in the 1700s. So even Chernow got her wrong. How do you go about finding what you would argue is the real Mary Ball Washington? As it happens, Zerina and I attend Whitechapel Episcopal Church on the northern neck of Virginia, which was the ancient church of the ancestral Ball family. Her parents attended this church, her siblings attended this church, and Mary attended this church. So they had a lot of old church records there, plus her original house is still standing. Not only that, it's not even a brick house, it's a clapboard house, and in 300 years, it never burned down. But it didn't have much in the way of records. This was the most difficult research project I ever undertook because there was a little bit at the Mary Ball Washington Museum. There was a little bit at the Mary Ball Washington Library. There was a little bit at Kenmore Inn in Fredericksburg. There was a little bit at the Sons of the American Revolution in Washington. There was a little bit at Mount Vernon. And then there was a little bit with the University of Virginia, which is now archiving a lot of Washington's letters. It was scattered all over the place. So it required really monumental effort. I had several researchers working for me to go ferret out this material and then come up with what I thought was a cogent storyline about her birth, her life, and her death, and what she meant to Washington, and as a result, what she meant to America. So you really are sort of tracking this stuff down all over the place. Yes. We went to the old newspaper offices in Fredericksburg. We were granted access to his letters in Mount Vernon. There's a lot of interesting stories. For instance, after the revolution and he and Martha settled back into Mount Vernon, he writes simultaneous letters to his mother-in-law, Mrs. Dandridge, and a letter to his mother. And to Mrs. Dandridge, he says, please come and visit Martha and me at Mount Vernon. We have lots of food. We have lots of music. We have lots of room and we have lots of people and you'll have a great time. Along about the same time, he writes a letter to his mother. He always addressed letters to his mother, honored madam, which I think reflected the arm's length relationship between the two, but also the respect he showed for her. But he writes, honored madam, please don't come to Mount Vernon. 
you won't like the food. There are too many people. The music is too loud. We don't have enough room for you. So, <laughs> so, they have very arguments. He used with his mother-in-law to come visit. He flips them to use with his mother not to come visit. As you began to pull this together, when did it hit you that you were dealing with a very different person than you expected? I don't know if I had an epiphany, Newt. I think it was a slow realization once I began to decide or determine that she was tough because she had to be tough. She was a single mother in a tough century raising five children on her own. Of course she had to be tough. But on the other hand, too, she was a devout congregant to the Anglican Church. She was faithful in her religious readings. She had several favorite books which she read and reread, which were religiously based books. I couldn't find anything about neighbors complaining about her. Now, maybe they just kept to themselves, but letters do emerge, and they tend to lend themselves to the truth about the individual. But nothing ever emerged. Now, obviously, she's the mother of the leader of the American Revolution, and then she's the mother of the President of the United States. He is a national figure. He is a rock star. He is a celebrity in America, especially after the Revolution. And yet there's nothing from the neighbors or newspaper or anything about complaining about her being shrewish or nasty or mean or anything else like that. Anything that you do see in print is pretty laudatory. After the Revolution, they had a big celebration in Fredericksburg to honor General Washington and his mother. It was an event with music and punch and food and dancing, and they had ads in the local Fredericksburg newspaper come join in the celebration to celebrate the victory of the colonies and the leadership of General Washington and his mother, Mary Ball Washington. Next, Mary Ball grew up as a British subject and believed in the divine rule of the King of England. How did she raise her firstborn son to be the leader of the American Revolution? The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. 
he says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. How did she raise her firstborn son to be the leader of the American Revolution? It's pretty well clear that she was not a supporter of the American Revolution. She was probably a Tory sympathizer. You know, she grew up immersed in the British culture. She grew up as a British subject. She grew up believing in the divine rule of King George II and King George III. She was, as I said, a regular congregant in the Anglican Church, the Church of England. She used British currency. She bought British fabric and British clothing. She followed British fashion. She grew up and was immersed and indoctrinated in the British culture. And so to tell her everything you learned for 60 years is wrong. The state does not have authority over the individual. You have authority over yourself. And that government is not by divine rule. It's by the rule of you, the American people. You know, this is radical, radical thinking. Maybe as many as one-third or even more of American colonists were actually Tory sympathizers and supporters during all the revolution. Washington never had complete support of the American people. Interestingly enough, during the seven years of the revolution, Washington never wrote a letter to his mother. Not that anything's ever surfaced. And he was a pretty faithful letter writer to his mother. But during those seven years, not one letter has ever emerged. And I've often wondered if it was just for security purposes. Or do you think that he was aware they weren't on the same side? Oh, I think he was definitely aware. He never expressed it. One thing is for sure, she was very, very frank. A single woman raising children. She was not a member of the Virginia aristocracy, not like Martha was. She was comfortable. She had property. She had fairy farms. She had 20 slaves there. She had pretty good income from the agriculture that was produced on the various farms. But she was not rich by any stretch of the imagination. She did emerge as a tough woman. I think it's safe to say is that she was fairly frank in her conversations with George. She kept him joining the British Navy, and when he was 14 years old, she put her foot down and said, no, you're not going to join. She wrote a letter to her brother, John, who was in London, and said, George wants to join the British Navy as cabin boy. What do you think? And within weeks, a hot letter comes back from her brother saying, under no circumstances do you allow George to join the British Navy. And he used the word dogs. In his letter, he said, Americans are treated like dogs in the British Navy. And he used some other pejoratives, which I can't say. But what was clear was there was a caste system in the British Navy, all through the Navy, obviously, but also extended to cabin boys. And the first in the caste were sons of British royalty, then sons of British subjects. And then all the way down to the bottom, even after Jamaican slaves were American boys, they were treated the worst of all. This is another time when she altered the course of American history. According to the British Admiralty, something like one-third of British cabin boys died at sea, washed overboard, died of scurvy, died of dysentery, were killed in battle, or something befell them. So putting a 14-year-old boy into that dangerous situation was another risk that may have saved the American Revolution because Mary put her foot down and said, no, you're not going to join the British Navy. When you think of Washington's character, which I think is in some ways the most amazing aspect of the revolutionary period. Historians like to study, you know, Jefferson and others because they wrote a lot. 
And Washington mostly was a force of being rather than a force of words. In your mind, what's her role in creating Washington? Everything from his grace and his manners to his rectitude, to his bravery, to his commitment, to his faith. I mean, there's no doubt he was a man of faith and he wrote about it and he was not afraid to let people know that he was a man of God and that he believed in divine providence. I think he got all that from her. His character, his very fiber of his being, he got a little bit from Augustine, his father, but Augustine died when George was only 11. Now, Lawrence, his half-brother, he was about 15 years older than George at the time. He was, by all accounts, a very handsome man, very tall, brave. He exhibited all those tendencies that, that young George admired. But Lawrence died when, when he was only in his early 30s. And he was never in Fredericksburg, so that type of influence is probably incomplete. There were no other men in his life, so it stands to reason the only person left in his life is his mother. It has to be her that instilled in him all these fundamental traits that made up his astounding character. Here you have a mother who doesn't want him to go off to war in the French and Indian War, doesn't want him to go off to be the commanding general of the revolution. There must have been kind of an amazing toughness in the way they related to each other. Oh, yes. There's no doubt that they battled. Sometimes she did not win these arguments. She wanted him to become a surveyor. He became a surveyor. She did not want him to go fight in the French and Indian Wars. He went three times in the Ohio Valley, first time as a member of the Virginia militia, and the next two times as a lieutenant colonel in the British militia. He obviously loved adventure. He wrote a letter to his brother John about the romantic sound of bullets as they whiz by your head. He loved the adventure of the Ohio Valley, even when he was briefly taken as a prisoner of war and was held hostage. Part of the change in Washington's life is Martha. How do Martha and Mary Ball Washington get along? That's a great question. The evidence is very thin. I'm assuming they did not get along well, or at least that Mary did not get along with Martha. Mary did not attend their wedding. She never visited Mount Vernon in her life. There's one thin piece of evidence that she went to Mount Vernon to implore George not to go fight in the French and Indian Wars, but it's kind of threadbare. When George and Martha would go to Fredericksburg and George would go visit his mother, Mary would go stay at Kenmore with Betty and Fielding Lewis, who was also a great man, a great hero of the American Revolution. There's no letters between the two. There's no evidence of any real interaction between the two. I tried to study as best I could human relations of that time period between father and son, mother and daughter, husband and wife. And they were not unlike they are today. They were a little more stiff, a little bit more formal, more attention to discipline and work around the house or work on the farm. But in terms of the relations with each other, it wasn't unlike what it is today. But I couldn't find really anything about the relationship between mothers-in-law and daughters-in-law. There's no evidence, really, of any interaction between the two of them, so it's hard to say except beyond what I was able to find is that there are things that Mary did not do. But on the other hand, the only time she really ever left Fredericksburg after she settled there in the house that George bought for her was during the Revolution. There was a threat of uh, British invasion of the town. It was evacuated, and it may be that she once visited her son Charles who lived in what is now West Virginia, but then was just the Western frontier. Travel between Fredericksburg and Washington was 50 miles, and 50 miles was a long time. Most people, 
in that time period didn't travel more than 25 miles from the place of their birth. And Mary, her whole life was concentrated there on the northern neck of the Middle Peninsula and Fredericksburg. When he was in New York, attending the affairs of becoming the new president of the United States and assembling the new national government, and when he was told by his nephew that his mother had passed away, he did go into a room by himself for three hours and was then there alone. But I believe he was consumed with grief. And the last time he saw her, before he went to New York to become the first president of the United States, he went down to Fredericksburg to deliver the allowance he brought to her every month or two. There were two contemporaneous accounts, and they both said it was a very, very tender moment for both of them. He knew she was dying of cancer. She knew she was dying of breast cancer. She basically said, you've been a good son. I honor you. I approve of what you're doing. I think what you're doing in the country is wonderful. And I'm so proud of you. And I'm paraphrasing here, but clearly she let him know that she was proud of him. Next, George's father leaves him Ferry Farm in his will, but his mother refuses to give him the property. I bet you're smart. Yeah, and you like to hold your own in the group chat. We can help you drop even more knowledge. My name is Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. We host a daily news podcast called Post Reports. Every weekday afternoon, Post Reports takes you inside an important and interesting story with the kind of reporting that you can only get from The Washington Post. You can listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. Go find it now and hit follow. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18+ terms and conditions apply. See website for details. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my god, We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Does he buy her a farm? No, just the opposite. That was also a source of contention. Augustine, in his will, had specifically left Ferry Farm to George. And George was to get it when he reached the age of majority. The only problem was is that he reached the age of majority and Mary wouldn't give it to him. She held on to it for years. And it became a source of contention between the two of them. And he would say, 
my father left this to me. You have to sign the paperwork to give it to me. And she just kept dragging her feet and dragging her feet. No, he bought her the house in Fredericksburg, which she lived from middle age on to her elderly years. And it's still there today. It's still a tourist attraction. It's a nice house. It's modest. It's nothing like Mount Vernon. It's a nice house with two or three bedrooms and maybe 2,500, 3,000 square feet at the most. I had a garden out back, had a place where she would go and pray and read and meditate and things like that. Had a little stable out back for her carriage. Trying to write these stories. This is the most difficult. Imagine writing a book about somebody is like buying a 1,000-piece jigsaw puzzle and bringing it home and opening it up and dumping it out, only to discover that 300 pieces are missing. Now you got to try to put it together with 700 pieces missing. Well, that was the problem with putting together a story about Mary Ball Washington. There's significant gaps, and so I have to leave them silent. But just as an example of how much we don't know about her, to this day, nobody knows where Mary Ball Washington is buried. She's buried somewhere there in Fredericksburg, but nobody knows where her gravesite is. Nobody knows when she was born. Was that deliberate, and did they want to keep it anonymous? No. When she passed away, she was the mother of the most celebrated hero in the history of Western civilization. You know, when Washington turned back in his sword in Annapolis, gave a speech, and conceded power, and went back to his farm. When King George III was told of this, he said, if Washington really did that, he would be regarded as the greatest man in the world. And that's exactly what Washington did. But there are significant gaps in the history of Mary Ball Washington. So my point is, he was obviously very celebrated, parades and banquets and all these other things and, you know, paintings of him everywhere. And the city of Washington is named after him in his lifetime. His mother would have been celebrated, too, and she was celebrated. So there'd be no reason to hide her remains. In fact, it would be just the opposite. It would be something to memorialize and something to celebrate and something to make great tribute to would be the gravesite of the mother of the father of the United States of America. The history is completely silent on why nobody knows where she's buried. And there are other gaps in the history of Mary Ball Washington. Well, listen, I think the level of research you did to track down all the various pieces is amazing. It's always a great treasure to me to be able to call you friend and to be able to have this kind of intellectual conversation. Thank you so much, Newt. Thank you for this time. I've known Craig Shirley for many years going back to the Reagan era, but I got really close to him when he interviewed me for a book he was writing about me entitled Citizen Newt. We discuss Citizen Newt at newtsinnercircle.com. It's a subscription service where I offer insights and commentary on the issues that matter to me most. Join today at NewtsInnerCircle.com. You can read more about Mary Ball Washington and see an excerpt from Craig Shirley's book on our show page at NewtsWorld.com. NewtsWorld is produced by Gingrich360 and iHeartMedia. Our executive producer is Debbie Myers, and our producer is Garnsey Slump. The artwork for the show was created by Steve Pendley. Please email me with your comments at newt at newtsworld.com. If you've been enjoying Newt's World, I hope you'll go to Apple Podcast and both rate us with five stars and give us a review so others can learn what it's all about.
On the next episode of Newt's World, the next episode in our series on the 2020 election. Super Tuesday is on Tuesday, March 3rd. It's significant because one-third of all Democratic delegates are allocated in a single day. Fourteen states, along with American Samoa and Democrats living in other countries, vote on this day. Whichever candidate wins California with 415 Democratic delegates and Texas with 228 Democratic delegates will achieve momentum towards the 1,990 delegates needed to win the Democratic nomination. We'll take a look at Super Tuesday results and predict the Democratic frontrunner. I'm Newt Gingrich. This is Newt's World. A lot happening these days. But I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The Seven from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The Seven every weekday. So follow The Seven right now. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeartRadio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God. We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah! 
Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Viking. Committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, cultural enrichment, and all-inclusive fares. Discover more at viking.com.